You know, I was thinking uh, a little bit this week, it's been interesting, how many of you remember what it was that you wanted to be when you were growing up? So how many of you wanted to be either a firefighter or a policeman, something like that? Okay, how many? How about uh, a veterinarian? Huh? Any vets? Oh, astronaut. Whoa! President of the United States of America. All right, well, those were some of the things I remember in school were like typical answers for people that they wanted to be. For me, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. I thought it was going to be my dream to play under the big lights and that I was going to be some big famous uh, baseball player. Oddly enough, Lord didn't grant me with any kind of physical ability whatsoever, and so that didn't pan out. But what I did discover when I got into being a teenager was the kind of chaos I could create with an electric guitar. And so I picked that up and thought, I'll just be a rock star. I can make lots of noise and it's great. I'm sure my parents loved it. I had a band with some friends. We were horrible. We were loud, but we were horrible. That obviously didn't pan out. I can remember along the way having such crazy ideas, like at one point I wanted to be a chef. I can't cook. I wanted to race motorcycles. I broke so many bones, it wasn't funny. I wanted to be on Broadway. All those things, they were never going to happen, and I knew they weren't. But of all the things I wanted to be when I was growing up, you know the one thing I never wanted to be in my entire life? A pastor. Isn't it funny how many times pastors say that? that I never dreamed the Lord would put me in this position. I never for a, a, a million years imagined, especially growing up, and I bet my friends didn't imagine either, that I would be standing here this morning sharing his word with you. I just, it just blows me away that that happens. And I think about those days and and as I stressed out and I worried and I thought about my purpose and my mission in life and all the things I wanted to be, oddly enough, my dad never was concerned. My dad was the one that would just say things to me like, you know, God is going to do great things. You just need to trust him, follow him, be obedient to him. He will do great things. Things And my father never really got wrapped up in who I would become because he knew who I was, that I was a child of God, that I'm forgiven and saved by the blood of Jesus. And that is greater than any profession I could have ever become. And I have been given a mission to accomplish. And in fact, for those in this room, for you perhaps, if you have given your life to following Jesus as your Savior, you too have been given this amazing mission and purpose in your life, a mission far greater than you could ever imagine. In fact, it's a mission that Jesus told us about himself right at the beginning of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Remember when Jesus said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. He says, this is your mission, to tell people about me, everyone, 
everywhere. In fact, he doesn't stop there. He says, you're not just going to stop in these areas, that my, my message is going to go to the ends of the earth, he says. What a mission we've been given. An incredible mission. And I wonder, does this mission scare you a little bit or maybe even excite you a little bit? Because I bet when Jesus first told the disciples, this was your mission, I I bet it made them a little anxious and maybe a lot excited. I mean, they knew that God could accomplish this mission, but they just weren't for sure how he was going to accomplish this mission. And I imagine they never in their wildest dreams imagined he was going to accomplish this mission through their greatest enemy, through their foe, a man named Saul. And I bet it took Saul equally as by surprise because when Saul was growing up, if you asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up, I bet you in a million years he never said, I want to be a pastor or I want to be a preacher or I want to be a missionary or I want to be a leader of the way. I'm sure that was never on his radar because from a young age, Saul was already thinking about how to destroy the very thing that God was going to call him to be. It's incredible when you think about it, that God was replacing his destructive heart with the heart of, of a mission of purpose. He was giving him a new purpose. And what was this purpose in life going to be? Well, I love in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, God shares with us through a man named Ananias what this mission is going to be. Ananias was responsible for caring for Saul when he was blinded. And God comes to talk to Ananias and he reveals Saul's mission to him. He says, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. So God lays it out here. He says, look, Saul's been given a new mission, a new purpose in life. It's going to be to take my message to, to the good news, to everyone, everywhere. And Saul may not have understood exactly what this mission was at the time, but he was soon going to learn. He was going to learn that he was set apart for this mission. And what do I mean by he was set apart? Well, God had chosen Saul for a purpose, for a mission. He had set him aside to be this servant and witness of the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, we know that Saul begins to embrace this and understand what his mission and purpose is because in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Saul writes this. This letter's from Paul. Paul is Saul, same person, used interchangeably here. A slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach the good news. He knew He was beginning to understand, this is my job, this is my mission, this is my purpose. In fact, this phrase, sent out, is actually better translated to say, to be set apart for the gospel. He was chosen to do this. And he he grows in his understanding of this, because we see in Galatians chapter 1 that he says this, even before I was born, he says, 
God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace and pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Saul would come to learn and understand that he was set apart by God for this mission even before he was born, which means that him being set apart had nothing, nothing to do with him. It was solely based on the grace of God that he's been given this mission. Saul didn't earn this position. He didn't apply for it. He didn't fill out a resume. He didn't send out cover letters. He never went after this position. It was surely a position that was given to him by God. It was God's purpose. It was God's mission. And it was through the power of God and the grace of God that Paul Saul would ever be able to accomplish this mission. And that brings us to Acts 13, because now that Saul has embraced his mission and he knows what it is, it's, it's time. It's time to go and do it. The hard work begins, and we see this being recorded in Acts chapter 13. And even more than that, in Acts 13, we learn something critical for us, that for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, you and I have also been set apart to accomplish His purpose and His will, not our own. And I I hate to break this to you, but that means this isn't going to be easy. It's not, it's, this mission isn't going to be easy. So, but let's, let's look at how this plans out uh, in Acts chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, open it up. If you have your app on your phone, get on Acts chapter 13. Of course, we always have Bibles in the back of this room you can use or take if you need one at home. But we see here that we're picking up on this mission now that Paul, that Saul is being set out for. In fact, this is called the beginning of the first missionary journey. Saul went out on many missionary journeys. This is the first journey that he's going out on. And let's look at how this journey begins. It says this in verses 1 through 3. It says, Among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. And one day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Now, I love this picture, because what we see here is this staff of this church of Antioch. They're together in one place and they're worshiping together. They're fasting together. They're praying together. Much like we're doing this morning as we gather here together, we're worshiping and praying together. We're spending time seeking the Lord together. That is what they're doing. And I tell you, this is the sign of a healthy church. When you see a staff that is doing these things together, then you know you're in a good place. And in fact, this church at Antioch, it's growing It's thriving. People are coming. Good things are happening. And they had a heart for people, a heart for people outside of the church walls. They had a heart for missions that was apparent in this church. And so while they're worshiping together and they're fasting and praying together, the the Holy Spirit reveals to this group their next step. 
into which Barnabas and Paul have been set apart for to be to, to advance the kingdom of God. And I love this picture of such unity being present among these believers. Such unity, such confirmation in their spirit together. As if the Holy Spirit came and spoke and everyone heard the same message. They knew what was to be done. Man, if, if I had a time machine, I would have loved to have been in that room that night to see what happened. Can you imagine them sitting around and hearing this message at the same time from the Holy Spirit? And can you imagine realizing Paul or Saul and Barnabas is going to be set out and I can just picture their faces as they kind of like looked up and, and maybe met eyes with each other. I can almost picture Saul looking at Barnabas and mouthing the words, what is going on here? What is happening? What is about to happen? Because look, they were comfortable here. Things were going well here. The church is growing here. They're doing a good work here. What now, now they're being called to, to leave? I can tell you this much. From being a follower of Jesus for many years now, God is rarely concerned with what's comfortable. I'll tell you that. He is not much concerned with what's comfortable. He's more concerned with, with obedience. And, and these two guys, they're being set apart for this mission to advance the kingdom of God that, that goes beyond anything we can imagine. And, and in that moment, they had a choice to make. They could have said no. They could have said, you know what, this is, this is I'm, let's just stay put. We're good here. We don't need, that seems like a lot of trouble. Thanks for the offer, I'm good. They could have said that. Or in obedience and faithfulness, they could have said yes and gone and done what God desired them to do. And the same is true for you and I in our lives. God has given us each different roles. He has set each of us apart to share uh, the love of Christ with others, to share the message of the good news with others. You've been given a role, a position, a job, a, a different location, a different group of people than I have. This is incredible. All of us are on mission to do this. And just like the staff at Antioch and Barnabas and Saul, you have a choice to make. You could say no to the call. Or... I ask, will you embrace the mission and purpose God has given you and say yes and go? I, I, I'm proud of 21 people from our church um, just Saturday morning early left to go on mission. 13 of them went to Mexico to be um, at the orphanages there caring for the kids and sharing the message of Christ to those families. And then eight of them went to Burundi to work in the, our village there to do the same, to care for those people and continue to share the message of Christ. And then 21 people said, yes, I want to go. I want to do this. I will leave my comfort to go do what I'm being called to do. They said, yes, and I'm so grateful. And Paul and Saul, or excuse me, Saul and Barnabas said, yes, to this, and so off they go. And I'm assuming as they go off, they're, they're going with some excitement, right? I mean, God was doing amazing things in Antioch. Surely he's going to continue to do amazing things wherever we go. They had to have been excited to get going. Well, let me share with you what happens. In verse 4 and 5 of Acts 13 says this, they went down to the seaport of Seleucia, 
and sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. So we see their first stop here on their missionary journey was to the island of Cyprus. This is a brilliant stop. It makes perfect sense. Barnabas was from the island of Cyprus. He grew up there. He knew the people. He knew the territory. They would have known him. He would have been accepted. This was smart. Let's go someplace we're familiar first. So they go to Barnabas' hometown. Well, they go around the island. They share the gospel. They share about Jesus. They share all these things, and they tell people what's what's happening. They tell him about Jesus and the resurrection of his love for them. He tell him, and you know what happens in the people's hearts? Nothing. Indifference. Complete indifference around the island. I mean, can you imagine the shock that would have happened? I'm sure this would have surprised them. This is not a good start to the mission. I mean, God had given them this mission It was confirmed in unity by the church who let hands on them and sent them off. They heard from the Holy Spirit. They were being sent out. They were being obedient. All these things were in place. They were in some place that was familiar to them. You would expect things would be awesome. But it wasn't. Has that happened to you? Have you ever felt like God called me to do this thing, or he's pushed me to do this thing, and out of obedience, I've said yes. I said, yes, I'll do this, thinking I heard from God, thinking that it's confirmed in unity with the church that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, only to hear crickets. Doesn't it kind of sometimes make you feel like, man, did I, did I misunderstand? Did I not hear him correctly? What's happening? Why did God not show up here? And I'm sure these guys would have been concerned just like you and I would be concerned. The only thing is, is I would say they don't leave the island completely empty-handed. One convert. One. But it's an amazing convert. Listen to what happens. It says, they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. This is in verse 6 and 8. Says the governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to Barnabas and Saul. And he was trying to keep the governor from believing. Of course he was trying to keep the governor from believing. His, his job was at stake. His position was at stake. He didn't want the governor to believe because he would have lost everything and been out on the curb. So he didn't want Paul and Barnabas to be sharing anything with them. But Saul here, he steps up and he has enough of this guy. And I love this. He, he puts an end to it. And it says in these next verses, 9 through 11, Saul, also known as Paul, that's why I keep confusing this, is because here's where we see Saul, it's also named Paul. And in the, for the rest of Acts, he is called Paul from this point on. And so it says, Saul, known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked at the sorcerer in the eye and he said these words, not for the faint of heart. He says to him this, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, 
an enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment on you, and you will be struck blind. Saul rebuked this sorcerer with the gospel. He rebuked him, and it says that bar Jesus, the sorcerer, fell blind in that moment. Now, Sergius Paulus, the governor there, he saw this. He witnessed this. He was amazed at the power of God. He was amazed at the message of Jesus that Paul and Barnabas were given. And out of his amazement here, the governor came to know Jesus as his personal Savior. This was their first and only convert on Cyprus. Now, did this mission exceed their expectations? I doubt it. I mean, I'm sure they were expecting a lot more than one. But was it worth it? Yes. A thousand percent yes. Because one came to know Jesus. And if one, just one, comes to know Jesus, then it's always worth it every single time. And it was worth it for them. And so then they pack up and they head to this area called Asia Minor, which again is Paul's hometown. So they stop at Barnabas' hometown, then they swing by Paul's hometown, expecting the same thing, great results, but it's clear the trip isn't going well. It's not going well at all. Things aren't happening, it's a difficult journey. In fact, it's not going well. We know this because John Mark, the guy that's traveling with them as their assistant, he says, I've had enough, I'm out of here. And he bails. He leaves. He heads back to, to Jerusalem. He says, I can't do this anymore, guys. And he takes off. That was a hit. That was a hit. We're going to learn more about John Mark a little bit later in Acts. But if we just recap so far, this is their missionary journey. They go to Cyprus and speak to a whole island where everyone's indifferent. A sorcerer fell blind. They lost their traveling companion. And all they have to show for it is one convert. What would you do? Would you pack up and go home? Or would you keep going? I mean, honestly, I had to think about this. Because, gosh, things are not going well. They're not, they're not doing what they were supposed to do. But I love Paul and Barnabas here. They do exactly what I think all of us should do when it comes to following God's mission and purpose in our lives. And that is, when the going gets tough, these guys stayed the course. They stayed the course. They didn't veer, veer off. And Mark, John Mark, he bails, yes, but Paul and Barnabas, no, they continue to travel north to the Antioch of Pisidia. And it's here where finally we see God opening some doors and moving in some amazing ways. And they get to the synagogue there. And as they're in the synagogue, they come in and they sit down for services just like you guys did today. And they were listening. They were being a part of the worship. They were listening to the scriptures being read. They were a part of what was going on in this synagogue. And as they're sitting there, these leaders of the synagogue come to them with a note. It's like they're in fourth grade. And they pass this note down the aisle. Can you imagine a note coming by and you pass it down the aisle and it gets to Barnabas and it gets to Paul and they open it up and they're like, what is this? 
And they open it up, and here's what the note said. In chapter 13, verse 15, it says, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it to us now. You talk about a door swinging wide open. They're inviting Paul and Barnabas to come share with them at their church. And this just goes to show that when you stay the course, God will give you an opportunity. But the opposite's also true. When you don't stay the course and you quit too early, you're going to miss out on something incredible. And that's what happened to John Mark. He bailed and he, he's missing it. He bailed too soon, and now he's missing the very thing that God has for them to do. It's exciting, and it's fun, and things are moving. John Mark missed it, and I'm telling you this because I see this happening sometimes, even in our church where people get frustrated, or they don't see something happening, or their small group isn't growing as quickly as they thought it would, or not enough people showed up to their event, and they just get frustrated, and they quit. And I say, no, don't quit. Keep going. Stay the course because if you quit too soon, you're going to miss out on, on the thing that God has for you. You're going to miss it. Don't stop. Stay the course. And these guys do. They stay the course and they keep going. And they said, well, of course, you're going to invite us to share. Then we're going to share. We have a message for you. So they stand up in front of the synagogue and they begin to preach. And, and if you remember... The Jewish people at that time didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. So what do you think Saul, or Paul, excuse me, preached on? He preached on the very thing that they didn't believe. He stood up in front of them and he began to declare and preach about how the God of Israel, he brought to the world this Savior, the Savior, Jesus Christ, as was promised in the Old Testament. And as he shared this message to them, God opened their hearts and many Jews and many Gentiles believed and put their faith in Jesus that day. In fact, so many people came to know the Lord that they invited them back to teach the very next weekend. They wanted them to come back and do it again. And it's so cool as we see this happening. So they come back the next week to teach in the synagogue. And it says this in verse 44. In 45, it says, the following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. Can you imagine that? You imagine people being so excited to hear about Jesus that the entire city shows up. Can you imagine Norwalk streets being blank on a Sunday morning because everyone was so excited to hear about Jesus? This would have been nuts. Awesome and nuts. But of course, like happens so often, this next verse makes me angry. Verse 45. is when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. This happens so often. When the good things are happening, when a church is doing good things, and numbers start going, people start coming there's always a group of people that are out there just waiting to pounce, waiting to belittle, waiting to argue, waiting to slander. And this frustrates me, and this happened to Paul and Barnabas. 
but the, in this huge crowd it grew and the Jews became jealous. But Paul and Barnabas were unfazed by this because remember they were staying the course. And as they stayed the course, it says in verse 46 that Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. So they didn't just stay the course, they were speaking out boldly to these people. They spoke out about the word of the Lord. They spoke out that the gospel was for everyone. They spoke out that anyone who believes in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins can have eternal life. They spoke out boldly, and as they did, these Gentiles began rejoicing and glorifying God and believing and receiving eternal life here. And because they spoke out boldly, the word of God, it began to spread in the region. God was beginning to do some incredible things here. People were hearing the message and they were believing the message. But as you know, whenever things like this happen, right, there's always persecution, isn't there? There's always persecution. In fact, we see that their boldness led to persecution in verse 50. In 52, it reads this, Then the Jews stirred up influential religious women and the leaders of the city. They incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They received persecution from these people. And I know it was severe persecution. It was violent persecution. This wasn't just name-calling. They were, they, they were threatened so much so that they had to leave town. I'm certain they had to leave town because their life depended on them leaving town. They were being persecuted severely as a result of this. But I love what happens here. They stay the course, and it says they shook, they shook the dust from their feet. This was, this was a protest made by Paul and Barnabas to shake the dust from their feet, showing a protest against all who had rejected the gospel. In fact, Jesus told them they should do that in Matthew chapter 10. But it didn't stop them because they went to Iconium then and they continued to preach there. They didn't stop preaching. They just changed places. And, they, and then it says, I love verse 52. And they were, believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. These believers, they were filled with joy. Paul and Barnabas were filled with joy as they continued on their mission. And because as they continued on their mission, they didn't quit they had joy. They had joy because they spoke boldly and people were coming to know Jesus as their Savior. They had joy because they found joy in the Lord, not in themselves. And I'm telling you this, when you find your joy in the Lord and not yourself, that is where your strength comes from. You will have strength when it comes from the joy of the Lord. And they were filled with joy and they continued on. So, this is what I know from chapter 13. And I'm looking forward to next week with 14, chapter 14, as they continue on their mission. But here, here's what I know for 13. That God has set us apart for a purpose and a will that's not our own. And I know that this purpose and this will is not going to be easy, and it's our choice if we're going to accept this mission or not. And that doesn't mean that you have to go to the other side of the world to preach. No, no, no. 
You can accept this mission right here. Husbands, you can accept this mission in how you love your wife. Wives, you can accept this mission how you love your husband, how you love your kids, how you care for your neighbors and your coworkers and your friends. You can accept this mission right here in Norwalk, Ohio. A mission to share who Jesus is with people who might not know. A mission to value relationships over always being right all the time. A mission to share with our kids messages that are important and not just sports. Or, 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 or we can not be ashamed of this message with our coworkers and friends. We can accomplish this mission right here amongst us. But will you say yes to that? Do you know what your purpose is? And if not, then I encourage you to do what Psalm Barnabas were doing. Remember, they began, they were praying. They were fasting. They were worshiping. They were seeking. You don't know your mission, your purpose? That's where it starts. It starts seeking the Lord. He will give it. But I tell you this, I know it won't be easy. I know it won't be easy. I've experienced it not being easy. And so we have to look at Paul and Barnabas' example of when it doesn't get easy. And what they do? Well, one, they stayed the course. Because when we stay the course, we're given opportunity. Not only did they stay the course, but they continue to speak boldly. Share the message of Jesus Christ that has changed your life. It's changed your life. It can change other people's lives too. Share it. Don't hold it back. Speak boldly. And then finally, my encouragement to you is when you stay the course and you speak boldly, find your joy in the Lord, not in yourself. Because when things don't go as planned, and they won't, your joy will be in the Lord, and that is where your strength will come from so that you won't get tired, you won't be weary, and you won't give up. What a mission we've been given. An exciting mission. And I'm sure I'm glad we get to do this together. So I'll go this week and do this where the Lord has you placed. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thanks for the example of these guys, Lord, that said yes to this mission. Lord, thank you for those in this room, Lord, that you have so strategically placed in in different areas to accomplish this mission or help us to stay the course and to be bold in this or help us to continue to look to you for a joy. Lord, and I pray for our, our 21 that left this week that are in Mexico and Burundi. Lord, give them strength to continue declaring your message to those who may not have ever heard it before. Lord, excited to hear what happens. Would you do great things in the hearts and lives of those people, please? So we love you and commit this time to you now, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. Hey, have a great rest of your Sunday, and we will see you next week.